Hey, I know that this is a message that everyone here needs to hear this morning. How, can you hear me through my mic and everything good? Because this is the second mic that I've gone through, all right, just to be able to speak to you this morning. You know what we're talking about? It's Southern Baptist. What are we talking about this morning? Does anybody know? We're talking about food, all right? And so as we're Southern Baptists, we're talking about food, and the pastor's gone through two mics. God's got something to say, so I hope you got your ears on this morning. As we continue on on Father's Day, uh, as we're speaking through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus is talking to us this morning uh, about fasting. And so I really want to spend our time and emphasis uh, on what God's Word has to say. So I just want us to go on ahead and dig right into it. So in Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be looking at verses 16 through 18. It says this, it says, Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now we're on this theme here. When we've been talking for the first few weeks, we talked about giving, and then we talked about prayer, and now we're talking about fasting. And the same theme has been given by the Lord over and over. He says, don't act as hypocrites act. In other words, we don't need to put on a show for everybody when we get ready to do something. When we get ready to give, we don't need to put on a show. When we get ready to pray, we don't need to put on a show. When we get ready to fast, we don't need to put on a show so that everyone around us can see what's going on. He says that we're actually supposed to do the opposite thing. We're supposed to do it in secret in such a way that really God only knows what's going on. I, don't, I want you to know something. I don't know what people give here. I don't know. I don't have a single solitary clue. That's the way I like it. That's the way the Lord wants it. We deal with what comes in here, and then that's what we deal with. If you give it, then that's what we have, and then that's how we manage that, all right? Now, look, also on prayer, we didn't read and go through all the prayer requests from last week, right? That was between you and God. Remember how we put them in the box, and we placed them there, and we let the Lord deal with your prayers that you gave up to him. Now, but before I get started in fasting, I want to ask, does anybody have anyone thing that they want to share that they put in the box and that God's already answered? If you do, that's fine. I'd love to have you just share with that. Or just slip up your hand and let me know so that we can already see that God is already moving on the prayer request that we gave just last week. Anybody? Anybody have any? Good. All right. We do have someone in the back back there. All right. So when we give these things over to God and when we do them in that way and we do them in such a way, I want you to know something. On Wednesday night, we prayed for every single one of those prayer requests, did we not? We laid hands on the box and hands on each other and we lifted up every single thing that was placed in that box to the Lord because that's between us as individuals and the Lord. So today he's telling us the exact same thing that we need to do when fasting. We don't need to be putting on a show for someone else as a hypocrite would do, but we need to take it before the Lord and leave it with the Lord. So when we look at fasting, the thing that I want you to see here is that, is it about appearance or is it about sustenance? Is it how we look or what we're looking for? You see, he says that we're not supposed to put on this gloomy face and go around, oh, you know, I'm fasting for God. Whew, it's 12 o'clock and I haven't eaten in six hours. You know what I'm saying? I'm on a real fast. <laughs> Have y'all ever heard of the Jesse Jackson fast? <coughs> Reverend Jesse Jackson? 
Jesse Jackson said it was okay to fast, and when you wanted to eat, you just called somebody else and told them to pick up the fast, and they picked up the fast for you. Are you following me? So whenever you got hungry, you really didn't suffer. You just picked up and called somebody else. They picked up the fast for you for a few hours, and then if you needed to go get something to eat, you did it, and then you, they'd call you back, and you could just pick it up again. Look, man, I'm not joking. This is for real. This is happening. This isn't how this works, all right? This is not how it works, all right? So we don't need to put on a gloomy face. We don't need to call somebody else to pick up the fast for us. We need to just do what God has called us to do in this. We, need, we don't need to look gloomy. It's not about our appearance. It's not about what people know about us, that we've gone like four hours without food or something like that. It's the fact that that we are in reality doing what we feel like God has called us to do and step out and do it in obedience as a child of God. Instead, he says, go the opposite. Clean yourself up, anoint yourself with oil, clean your face up, and go out and look like you got your best on, all right? And then what we do there is we show ourselves an example to those who are not believers, to those who are in the world, because we don't look any different. It's not about our appearance. It's about where we get our sustenance for. It's not about how we look. It's about what we're looking for. And there's two things I want you to see here. This scripture tells us this is what we're looking for when we fast and when we give ourselves to the Lord. One, we're looking for spiritual food, fuel, not spiritual food. We're looking for spiritual fuel, something that gives us the power that we need. How many times in Scripture have you seen, and I didn't give you the examples of this in Scripture, but over and over again, it says prayer and fasting are, are put together. Have y'all ever noticed that? In fact, there's one time where the, the disciples cannot call a demon out of someone else, all right? And they said, Lord, we've tried everything. And the Lord said to them, this only happens and comes through prayer and fasting. You see, we pray to the Lord and we give it over to him. But sometimes it, the Lord calls for us to have some sacrifice or some skin in the game. And so prayer and fasting are placed together because you know what? When we do without something to see God move, then God is going to move. When we sacrifice to God so that God will move, I believe that God moves. In other words, when we have finances and we have issues, if we give to God, I think that we see God move. I don't believe that it's going to be dollar for dollar, penny for penny, or anything like that. I'm not trying to tell you health and wealth. All I'm saying is, is that when we step out and when we make a sacrifice, I believe that God honors that sacrifice. And in some cases, it's a financial thing for us, which we've already gone through. In some cases, it's a prayer thing where we've got something where we're in control of and we need to give it over to God. Sometimes it calls for us to go a step further. And the step further for us is to sacrifice ourselves physically. And so there's the best way that we finance, uh, that we sacrifice ourselves physically is through this, the, the sacrifice of laying down food. So when we lay down food, when we give it up, then God gives us spiritual fuel for our fires. All right, look at all the times that we have a picture of this in Scripture. Matthew 4, 4, it says, It's written that man does not live by bread alone, but on the every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus had just, how many days had he gone without food? Does anybody remember? 40 days without food. And so what does Satan immediately do? He tempts him in a way that has to do with his 
food. And what does the Lord say back to him? Man does not live by bread alone. Now, I want you to think about this. When God calls for you to make a sacrifice, what is the last thing that goes for us? Food and shelter, is it not? As long as we have the ability to feed ourselves and to shelter ourselves, we think we're going to be able to get through all of it. What happens when God calls for us to give up both of those? What happens in our lives when God calls for us to give up sacrificially the food that we have, the sustenance that we have for ourselves each and every day, and the shelter that we have? That, is that where we draw the line? I would say in most cases that's where a lot of us would probably draw the line. When we have to start going without, the biggest thing that I've ever experienced missionally in leaving this country is to see how much we have on a daily basis in comparison with what everybody else has. I've been out of the country so many times in so many different places over the course of my life. One, to see where people would sacrifice. I mean, I was, I was in Europe, in Eastern Europe, behind the wall before the wall came down, traveling with a baseball team one summer. It was a Christian baseball team going and sharing the gospel uh, in... Czechoslovakia. And when we got to Czechoslovakia, they, they served us Coke. And I was like, dude, man, they got Coke in Czechoslovakia. This is awesome. And then I had to learn later on that night what they had to sacrifice to get the Coke because how expensive it was and what they had. And then they served us, it was called mincemeat. I don't know. I would, you know, they were trying to serve us sort of like what we would, you know, like a steak. But it was mincemeat. And I was like, this doesn't taste anything like a steak, man. But for them, it was a steak. And then I learned what the guy that I was staying with made a year. I pretty much had that in my pocket. No joke. He, made, he was an engineer and made hundreds of dollars in a year. And I had hundreds of dollars that mom and dad sent with me to spend and bring back some good stuff from the countries that I was going to. So I was carrying more in my pocket than this guy made in a year, and he was an engineer, and his fiance was an ophthalmologist. See, we don't realize this. You go to Peru, and you go down there, and they're making bricks and bricks and bricks and bricks just so that they can get their food that they have just to get by for the day. And what does that entail? It means climbing the mountain and cutting down eucalyptus trees or tree limbs, coming down here and bringing them down in the morning, starting a fire, and then working all day to bake it and make the bricks so that they can be sold so that they can have the food that they need for the next day. Then the next day, getting up, climbing up the mountain, cutting down the eucalyptus uh, branches and the trees and stuff and bringing them back down and doing the same thing all over again. You see, we don't think about it that way. Our check's automatically deposited into our bank account. We don't think about the fact that what we need to do. Our retirement checks come in that way. Our Social Security checks will come in that way. Whatever it is, we have it. It's just given to us in that way. And in some cases, we go back and say, we earned this. And I've worked hard for this. And I get that. I really do. But the reality for the majority of the world is not that. So we lose perspective with this. So when God calls for us to go to a step deeper, in other words, when we pray about things and we don't get an answer we need to take the extra step so that we can get to see that God spiritually fuels us for our lives that he will actually give us all the sustenance that we need no matter what that is 
Sometimes that's financial. Sometimes that's physical. Psalms 119.103 and Ezekiel 3.13. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey in my mouth. Jeremiah 1, excuse me, Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Your words were found and I ate them. Your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I've been called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. I've given you some notes in here that are actually some of my notes, and I wanted to give them to you. It says this, God has represented his word as food that nourishes our spiritual life in the same way that physical food nourishes our physical life. You can also see all of these passages that I've just given to you. Just as food strengthens and maintains our bodies, the Word of God nourishes, fuels, and strengthens our spirit. You see, we should be, we should be devouring ourselves and immersing ourselves into the Word of God. And we don't. We immerse ourselves into all kinds of different things. And when, I've told you this a few weeks ago, and I'll reiterate it to us again. There's a hole that's in us. It's a spiritual hole, and the world tries to fill it with all kinds of things. And for some of us, we fill it with food. I've told you guys that the heart is the seat of the emotions. Think about this. What do we do when we get emotionally unbalanced in our lives? Hand to mouth. Don't we? Do we eat away our emotional stress? Do you eat that way? I do. Brownies, M&Ms. There's a 10, 14 you know, pound jug of M&Ms in our pantry. I just kind of go in there and grab a handful and just start, you know, just walking through the house. What are you doing? I'm nothing, just eating M&Ms. 12 times a day. You know? I don't understand. Where did all this come from? You see, we don't understand what we do to ourselves, but to comfort ourselves emotionally, we feed ourselves all kinds of different stuff. And for some of us, it's food. For some of us, it's other things. For an addict, it might be drugs or alcohol or pornography or any kind of thing like that. Anything that helps us numb the emotions. We don't ever actually deal with the issue. To deal with the issue is to strip that away, and God calls for us to go a step further. Not only is he calling us to pray about it, he is calling for us to sacrifice. One of my classes in seminary, I have never done this, had never done this, was to take a spiritual retreat and to fast for a day. Have you, how many here have ever fasted for 24 hours? A handful. Not even half of the folks in here. But I had never done it. I was a good Southern Baptist. I did everything they told me to do. I went to Sunday school, did everything. My preacher never stood up and asked me to fast. Guess what I'm going to ask you to do later on today? Homework. to sacrifice in some way, shape, form, or fashion. I went away on that retreat. I prayed to God. I was alone. No TV, no nothing, just to get away. A spiritual retreat and a fast. Six o'clock, I didn't know what to do, man. Supposed to be eating. What am I doing? Pray. Go to the Lord. Read His Word. It was so eye-opening to me. 
to actually dig. And what God revealed to me through that whole process. It was an amazing, amazing 24 hours. I want you to know something. I told you we've done this in a church before. And we were doing it with the church in Africa. I ask everybody to fast from Thursday night, midnight, or actually from Thursday dinner. Thursday dinner all the way till Wednesday. And at Wednesday night, we got together at the church and we had a meal together. So it had been 24 hours since every, that was the shortest meal prayer I'd ever given in, in any kind of eating thing that we ever did at that church. It was like, Tim, hurry up and pray here so we can eat. We have not eaten in 20. I had people coming in, they were going, I have my blood sugar so low, I think I'm going to pass out. I'm like, you know, I understand. I get it. We've been through the entire day of working and we had not eaten anything. You talk about people who were emotionally ready and charged. They were ready to hear whatever came out that night. But also, it was really neat to stand up and hear testimony of what people had seen done in their lives. They had been praying, and then they added the fasting to it and to see what God had revealed to them. Because they had just taken a few steps back and sacrificed. They had given up something on top of the fact of asking God for something. And those two things come combined together were the fuel that was needed to give them the answer to what they were looking for. Here's the reason I think that that happened. Was it because they gave up food? No. It's because they replaced what they were filling that hole with, with God. For just a few moments. So instead of taking the M&Ms 12 times a day and going through and popping those in my mouth for 24 hours, every time that I needed to eat, I couldn't eat. I wasn't going to eat. So guess what I was doing? When I was eating M&Ms, I started filling it up with G-O-D. I'd stop and I'd pray and I'd say, Lord, I'm really asking you this and I'm making a sacrifice here. Can you please give me some direction in my life? Can you show me what you need to show me? And God did that. So the first thing I want you to see when we fast and when we add that to our prayer life, God gives us spiritual food. The second thing is direction. God gives us spiritual direction. God answers. Second Chronicles 20, verses 1 through 4, and then verse 12. Second Chronicles. How many of you have read Second Chronicles in the last year or decade? All right. Let's read 2 Chronicles together. And after this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Mennonites, Menunites, Menunites, <coughs> came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, The vast army is coming from you from Edom and from the other side of the sea. It is already at Hazan Tamar. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat saw, resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. And the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. The whole, what was left of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Judah, turned to God. They fasted to hear from God. The first thing I want you to see is that Jehoshaphat resolved to involve the Lord. He didn't try to solve it himself. 
He didn't say, you know what? They're coming at us with power. We're going to come right back at them with power. You think they're going to overcome us? We got God on our side. They will never defeat us. And in our own power, we get defeated. You don't want some of me, Satan? Come on at me. And in our flesh, we think we're strong enough to handle that. We're not. And we get tossed around in our lives. And we live defeated because that's the way we try to defeat our enemy. We shouldn't be trying to defeat our enemy in and of ourselves. We should be calling on God. Why? Because God is greater than our enemy. The Bible does not say that Tim is an overcomer because of Tim. Tim is an overcomer because of God. Because of the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus. The work that he has done and the spirit that lives in me. I overcome this world through the power and the shed blood of Christ Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. I do not overcome this world in and of myself. Jehoshaphat saw that. He inquired of the Lord and he went to him. He didn't start counting his own men to go up and do battle against these three enemies that had joined forces together to defeat him. Now, that's another thing I want you to see about this. It doesn't come at us one at a time. It comes at us in multiples, doesn't it? Have you ever noticed that? When it's going wrong, it's all going wrong, right? It's going wrong on so many levels, it's not even funny. Sometimes you can't even count them. You're thinking, how much more can I deal with this? How many more? When we start trying to deal with all of that on our own, there's no way we stand. It crushes us. We get mad at God. Why are we got to go through this? Why is this on? Why are you picking on me? I can't handle this. Find somebody else. Pass it off to Pastor Tim. He can do it. No. The reality for us is that we need to get on our knees. We need to turn it over to God. Because it's not our battle, it's His. Paul tells us, New Testament teaching tells us that our battle is not a physical battle, that our battle is a spiritual battle. And it's waged in heavenly places. We're given a picture of that in the Old Testament through the book of Job. We're giving it to us in the New Testament through Paul and what he tells us about putting on the full armor of God in Ephesians. And so that battle is not ours to fight. This spiritual leader saw that. This spiritual leader is telling you that. It's not your battle. So when you pray and you put it in a box, now you need to make a little sacrifice to the Lord or for the Lord and see what he does with that. The second thing that you need to see here is that Jehoshaphat proclaimed the fast throughout all of Judah. What was the purpose of the fast? What was it supposed to accomplish? That they had no way of defeating this enemy themselves. So when they all came together, and when they all did it collectively, they saw God move immensely and collectively. Why? Because this enemy was defeated, not by them. God gave them the power to overcome and to get through it. We will not overcome our issues here at Mount Salem by ourselves. 
we went through church revitalization program and we've gone through this and we've got all this checklist of things to go through and to, and to, to accomplish and to you know give a vision statement and a mission statement and to put certain things in place doesn't mean a hill of beans it won't mean a hill of beans if God's people refuse to respond So this spiritual leader in the Old Testament called for all the folks to make a sacrifice together and in common accord and then saw God move. So when I ask you and I, when I tell you that we're going to do this collectively, that's why I'm asking you to do it collectively. Now look, I am going to preface this and say this. If you've got to take meds and you've got to do things to keep things in regulated with your body, you do what you need to do to make that happen. Don't put yourself in physical peril, but sacrifice. So what does that mean? You may have to eat. But you may not have to eat mama's pancake breakfast down at, uh, what is it, Cracker Barrel, right? My son ate that yesterday afternoon. I don't see how in the world a human being could eat that much food. It was like four pancakes, man. And he was like, are there biscuits? And I'm like, biscuits? You just ate like four pounds of bread. And eggs and bacon. But he made it, man. He got all the way through it. And we celebrated together. Look. That's what I'm talking about. Do what you need to do, but make it sacrificial. Maybe it's only that you eat what you need to get by to get through the day. Because that's what the meds say that you have to do. But whatever it is for you, that's what we need to do. And when we do it, we need to do it to the Lord. I don't, think, I don't know if I've ever told you. I think I may have told you guys this in all the time that I've been here. I cut grass, and I like to cut grass. It doesn't mean I want to cut your grass, all right? But I like to cut grass. And I like to use a push mower, all right, when I cut grass. Um, even when I had a riding lawnmower, I'd like to use a push mower. One, it was because of exercise and just the physical activity of it. And secondly, because God speaks to me when I'm cutting grass. And I could be riding. And I could do it in a lot less time. And I would not sweat so profusely. But the reality for me is that I know that when I do that, God has spoken to me. We went through the Sermon on the Mount at our former church. And it was an amazing thing. You know when God told me to do that? I was cutting grass. This is where you need to go next, Tim. This is what I want you to preach on. It's cutting grass. One of the other times when we first went in the ministry, I was praying while I was cutting grass. And I said, Lord, maybe you'll send me to one of those churches that has a country club membership and they'll allow me to go play golf at a country club. That would be awesome. Not joking. As soon as I thought that in my mind, a rock flew out from under my lawnmower and hit me right there. <laughs> I am not joking. I stopped what I was doing and I said, God was speaking, all right? I stopped what I was doing and I said, I got to go tell Tamar. 
because if I don't do this right now, this may go away. So I walked in the house and I said, look, this is what I was just praying and this is what I was talking to God about. And a rock flew out from under my lawnmower and hit me right here. And she goes, wow, that was awesome. I said, I said so guess what? We ain't getting no country club membership in any church that we go to. So you might as well just realize that. But that's how God moves. Are you following me? So sometimes it's food. Sometimes it's something else. You may not be able to, to physically give up the food because of where you are. But you can stop something else. Turn off the TV and go a day without that. Put down your iPad, phone, computer, whatever it is. And just speak to the Lord. Instead of looking at all that junk. Yeah, man. Those are fast. Don't cop out and call me and say, I need to check my emails. Would you pick up my spiritual fast, Tim? <laughs> Go the whole day. Spend the time to do it. And I'm going to ask you to do that by Wednesday. And we're going to get together Wednesday night. Remember your prayer request. Couple it with your sacrifice this week. Couple it with your fast, whatever that may be. Whether it be from food or something physical, something that's a part of your everyday life, that's your routine, that you pour into your hole, thinking that you're going to find answers for. And put God in there instead. See what He does. See how He responds. I guarantee you there's a bunch of people in this room that have been dealing with battles for a long time. This is a step that we need to take. And it's not a whole lot. Maybe it's a few hours without something that you think that you can't make it through your day without anymore. And God just needs to show you that you can. And in that, you're going to get not only a blessing, but it says that you're going to get a reward. What does that mean? God is going to reward us through this. Never lived in abundance in this country, what this country would call abundance. Never lived in that. Never missed a meal. Never been unable to pay a bill may not have what everybody else has that they think makes them rich and, and can stand on their own but have always had what I needed when I needed it always that's what I'm promised I was never promised all of that but I was promised this and he has never, ever, ever failed in that. And he won't. In fact, he goes a step further. He said for those who are believers, he's never even seen their children begging for bread. So not only is he taking care of us, the promise is that he's going to take care of those who are in our household. He's going to look out after us. And when we get stuck... We don't need to say, eh, just went, kind of went as far as I could with God. 
The ball is in our court. He's waiting for us to take a step. Draw nearer to God, and He will draw nearer to you. What's it going to take for you to draw nearer? That's what fasting's all about. Fasting's all about digging deeper. Fasting's all about relying upon God to make the next thing happen. Fasting's about going one step further in sacrifice than what you think you're capable of. It's going a step beyond your line in the sand to get it done. And when you draw nearer that way, I guarantee you, God is going to draw nearer to you. I've seen it. I've experienced it. You got to want it. And when we want it, God unleashes. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, I thank you for all that you supply us with and give us and how you take care of us. But Lord, I also know that there are a lot of us that have reached places, including myself, where there just seems, I don't know, be a ceiling on our spiritual life, a wall, a barrier that keeps us from going, a door that we keep going up to and knocking and it's never opened. Lord, I don't know what that is for us, but I just pray that you will open it this week. But first and foremost, I pray that we're willing to make the sacrifice that we need to make. And in some way, shape, form, or fashion, that we will step out this week. Giving up something that we think we have to have. And allowing you to fill that. Lord, I praise you. And give you all the honor and glory for what you are about to do in our lives, for how you are about to move in our midst. You are the God. You are our creator. Move in our lives. This we pray now and ask now in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand together and we're going to sing. I'm going to be up front here, but the altar's open. And probably more importantly this morning is that, that you just do right there where you're at or up here up front or coming up with me. Let's just do business with God. And if, it's, if you want to come be a part of this fellowship or if you want to um, give your life to Christ and take that step, those are all steps of faith and moves of God. So know that, you're, that this is the time that's open for that. So let's stand together and sing.
preacher just ruined your Father Day's Father's Day lunch, right? You need to go and eat your lunch, all right? I do not do this this morning for you to say, we're starting a fast right now. Pastor Tim said, go, we're going to go right now. Going home, nothing for y'all. Go take your dad out for lunch. Don't ruin his day, all right? Put a little planning and thought into it. Pick another time, and don't blame me, all right? <laughs>